Welcome to Box Out Banter. We're finally back after a couple weeks of hiatus. Hey, guys, we have lives. We have we have very busy, important lives. Sometimes we oversleep. Things yeah. happen. Yeah, you oversleep <laughs> and wake up at five thirty when the recording time's at four thirty. Yeah, that, that's my bad. <laughs> but to, it's all good. But tomorrow is opening day for the regular season. I'm super excited. I couldn't be more excited. And uh, yeah, so it's we're gonna tear the East. And so I'm Chris Okamura. Join me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. Uh, Jordan, are you excited to, to tear the East? I am excited to tear the East. I uh, did a little video uh, with my tier list already, but I get to have a podcast format to explain it in <laughs> longer form because I didn't want to do a 30-minute video. Uh, before we tear the East, first of all, I want to say shout out to the WNBA champion Chicago Sky. I don't know how much Shout of the Miss Candace Parker. Yeah, Miss Candace Parker, who signed as a free agent, the big ticket free agent over the past over the previous offseason to come to the Chicago Sky. And in her first year, she brought her hometown team a championship. Um, I don't know how much of the WNBA playoffs you watched, but I watched almost all of it and it was fantastic. The the playoffs are always high stakes basketball is always fun. And um uh, I am also a little bit sad because we could lose two legends uh, with Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird potentially retiring. Who knows? Um, I'm not. I've become more of a WNBA fan over the last um, eight or nine years or so. I always made sh- make sure to watch the playoffs. Um, I only knew a few players growing up, but Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi became my favorite players. I'm kind of a. I guess you could say I'm a Seattle Storm fan, but I'm like on and off with it because I root for a bunch of teams because I, I root for Tarasi, I root for Sue Bird, um, Candace Parker. Like basically whoever yeah. – I'm like an agnostic WNBA fan, but I lean more towards uh, Sue Bird. Um, so I'm a yeah, Storm I, fan. I grew, a, I grew up a Sparks fan. So yeah, you know, of course. Me, me yeah. and Lisa Leslie and, and the you know Candace Parker coming in. Candace Parker has been my favorite WNBA player for a long time. So her leaving was a – yeah, that was, but, but um, she proud, came home and, uh, you know, won uh, the cha- WNBA championship for the Chicago Sky. Shout out to, you know, all the players like Allie Quigley, um, Allie Quigley, Courtney Vandersloot, one of the p- best point guards on the planet, um, Kalia Copper winning finals MVP. Um, I would have liked to see a game five because Diana Taurasi was doing goat things while playing on a sprained ankle and a broken bone in her foot. And also, she had a kid. Insanity. She also she had a kid. She is the goat uh, WNBA player to me, and so I like watching great players do great things. And uh, I, if the, if that if the series had been going back to Phoenix for the game deciding game five, I would have literally put. I would have like bet the entire apartment on Tarasi winning that finding a way for the Mercury to pull that out Brittany Griner was dominant too it was a fantastic WNBA playoffs so shout out to the W yeah really really good showing uh, some questionable calls in some of those games but we won't dive too deep into that um <laughs> yeah we- <laughs> Tarasi was gonna rip the refs heads off all series I was uh kind of scared <laughs> every every time they called something against her she gave him like the Kobe death stare it was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that there you go. That ref's gonna die. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun playoffs. It was a fun playoffs. 
And then, yeah. but bad luck continuing for Phoenix, for Phoenix basketball. Uh, I can't imagine how they feel. I mean, losing the finals and then the uh, the Phoenix Mercury losing the WNBA finals. And now, apparently, Sarver is going to Sarver. Yeah, I just so we'll talk through this real quick. I yeah, we got it. We need to touch on this first before we do the East. Look, I'm a huge Chris Paul fan, huge Chris Paul fan. I think he's the greatest point guard of this generation, and I think he's super important. And he still, has, I, I still think he has a lot of tread left. <laughs> so you Curry. Keep him. <clears throat> sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I so in my in my head in my weird head, I always think of them in two separate generations. Oh yeah, I like, guess I guess that's fair. But they've been like in the I, league double digit years together, pretty much. Yeah, but you know, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, like I, Chris Paul. Head, Chris have, Paul. Think you think of Chris Paul in the mellow, LeBron, the mellow Kobe, D Wade. Yeah, the mellow Kobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even like, really consider my, Kobe as a part of the mellow D Wade. LeBron. I consider Kobe with like the Garnett, Vince. Yeah, Carter, the T Mac. Yeah, the T Mac era. Uh, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but anyway, the. So, of course, you have to retain him. But my thing is, pay your first overall pick that is growing, that's showing potential, that is going to be kind of a – that's shown that's shown to be a big-time player in the playoffs last year. And super he was important. arguably the Argu- Suns' second best player. The most important, yeah, the most important player in your team. Like, he was not the reason they lost that finals. No, um, we're talking about so- DeAndre Ayton, by the way, for the listener. Um, Suns owner, uh, Robert Sarver. Did not offer DeAndre Ayton the rookie max extension, the extension every rookie gets at the end of their four-year cheap deal. He extended Mikel Bridges. And then funny enough, after the news broke that Sarver wasn't going to extend Ayton, the Suns and Landry Shamit, who they traded for over the summer, agreed to a four-year $43 million extension, which is something I absolutely do not get. Um, Shamit's a nice shooter. But he's really proved nothing beyond that. He's also been co- injured quite a bit. Um, but I really don't. I he's a he's an okay defender, but like you just traded for him and then you extended him, and you're not going to extend DeAndre Ayton. Like yeah, and then they gave they gave Markel Bridges a huge extension, which again I think totally deserved as well. But like you have to make certain decisions. And here, the cheap, and the, the cheapness the of the Suns came through for the Mikel Bridges extension too yeah because there's no way Mikel Bridges is a 90 million dollar player like that he would have easily gotten over 100 on the open market so this was yeah. a like I like playing here I feel like this was a I like playing here and I want to be on a good team type of but let's work something out extension yeah but so De- DeAndre Ayton should be he should get the max like they're gonna pay him the max anyway but that's not the point now when DeAndre Ayton's time comes when he is an unrestricted free agent and he's in his prime when he's like 25 or 26, this is going to be something to remember. It's going to be like, I had a hard time negotiating with this guy. I feel like I should have gotten paid what I deserve from Jump Street, which is true because he did improve immensely, especially towards the end of the season and into the playoffs, like we mentioned. But now you've had this over your head. And what if you get hurt? Let's say he doesn't get hurt and he does make it to restrictive free agency. Some team's going to offer him the max, and then the Suns will match it. Um, and then it'd be like, okay, well, what was the point of that? Why couldn't you just get it done right now? Like, why is the Suns owner so 
hell-bent on playing hardball. And he's going to remember that when his, unrestricted, his time for unrestricted free agency comes. So I don't yeah. get it. Yeah, it just makes zero sense to me, and it seems very short-sighted. And, you know, if you're going to own an NBA team, fucking pay the price to own an NBA team, like especially if you're a contender. And I wouldn't have yep. extended Chris Paul first. Like I would have taken yeah. care of my young guys first and then extend Chris Paul. Like, yeah, then you figure out the Chris Paul thing later. Yeah, like it's it's ridiculous. I my uh, son's fan. He text my son's fan friend. He texted me and he was just like, "If they don't extend eight, and I w- I'm not sure I'll be a Suns fan anymore." And it was just like, "Oh man, uh, that's that." I I felt that. I felt that. <laughs> I'd be yeah, so mad. Sad. I'd be so mad. Yeah, it just makes no sense. And like you know, when you're counting pennies. And, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, especially with the success they just had. Now is the time to spend. And this is the same owner who, you know, traded Joe Johnson away, traded, you know, Luol Dang, the Luol Dang pick for nothing. Like, the, he has made penny-pinching moves forever, and it's he's doing it here again. And it's like, it's, it, what's the point of owning a team if you're just going to be cheap about it? It's just my thing. Yeah. Especially totally if you're good. Yeah, especially if you're good. All but, right. Uh, well, let's. Uh, we did tear the Suns la- in the last podcast in the Western Conference preview. So let's uh, let's uh, not be cheap to the listener. Let's not be the Robert Sarver of podcast, and let's uh, give the people what they want. Let's give them our Eastern oh. Conference tier rankings. Our tier. So this list. one's weird. This one's weird. I have six tiers in here. Two of them only have I two have, teams or one team each in them. I have I have six tiers. I have six tiers as well, and okay. all of them, uh, yeah, all of them at least have two in the tier. Oh, okay. So, so I, I only have I only have I've I have six tiers. Two of them only have one team in them, and one of them has two teams in them, and then the like the rest are backfilled. Oh wow! I think there's a pretty large gap. All right. Well, uh, let's. Uh, Let's start with the first tier then, and then we'll we'll work our way down with. Uh... Yeah, my my solo first tier is the Nets. Really? Yeah. That I I don't I know. Think I, a, I, oh, sorry. I think, go a, ahead. I think I think a healthy Nets team beats the Bucks last last year and wins the championship last year. Yeah, that I I'd agree with that. And I think they got better. I do think they got better, but. Um... I have to I have to say I disagree right off the bat with you having the Nets by themselves, especially with um especially with the whole Kyrie Irving. I like three weeks ago I would have agreed with you, but with the whole Kyrie Irving situation hanging so over the I team's think, head. I think, well, I think that them not suspending, but them perm, like holding back Kyrie from competing at our like being a part of the team at all actually helps them. Because they're not, it's not going to be over their heads. Like he's just gone. Well, no, like not just. Ju- well, not just. I'm not talking about just the situation. I'm talking about Kyrie Irving on the basketball court. To me, made the Nets the undisputed favorite. I still have them as the slight favorite in the East because Harden and Kevin Durant are really good. Yeah, but... I think to me, Kyrie was the least important of the three. So if you lose, if you lose him, you're losing. Obviously, you're still losing a top tier you know, top 15 player in the NBA or whatever. But I, I think he, if you're, if you're, if you're saying order of importance of these players, he's the third 
he's the third wheel here to Harden and Durant. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie had to so basically you're... go back to the uh, old Cleveland role that he had with LeBron when Harden yeah. came in. So yeah. he's yeah. So he's not he's not like it's different if you're if you're taking off if you had to pick one of the three to take off you're taking off Kyrie. Yeah. So it's not like you know what I mean. Like it's not like they're losing the biggest parts of part of their team. It's a huge part still. But I still think it gives them. Remember, they they to me they almost want they almost beat the Bucks last year without Kate with just KD and they Harden on one leg. Yep. And to me, they got better. Harden's fully healthy and not out of shape this year. Like full season working together, mm-hmm. and then you if Kyrie comes back or not. Like if he's just not there, I still think KD and Harden with the role pieces they have around them this year, yeah, they and have a full a lot season more to get it. Players, yeah, and yeah, and for, and with a full season to steamroll through and and get that chemistry going, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, um, yeah, like I said, I still have the Nets as my number one, but the the Bucks have to be in the in the first tier. They have to be. I have them second tier. I have them second tier by themselves. They're the defending champions. Um, Giannis is the best player in the world or top three player. He's a tier one. He's on the level of KD. It's to me, KD and LeBron or KD and Giannis are the two best players in the world right now. Like you, you can argue one A or one B, but championship swagger is a real thing. And we saw this with the Warriors before. We saw this with teams who have broken through and won the championship. And the players are just better because they have they got the monkey off their back. They've been through the playoff wars. They know what to expect. And I think the Bucks are going to benefit from that greatly. I think they're not going to take forever to figure out their defensive scheme like they did last season, whether we switch or continue with drop coverage, et cetera, et cetera. And also, I know it's preseason, but Giannis's jumper and his counter moves, they are the most fluid I have ever seen at any point in his career. That includes all of his past preseasons. That includes his two MVP seasons. He His jumper looks smoother. He's starting to do the dribble and transition, dip the shoulder to get space and get a pull-up jumper off in the mid-range, and it looks smooth. He's hit a couple of transition threes that look really smooth. Um, Chris Middleton is one of the more underrated offensive players in the league, and I don't think him and Drew Holiday are going to play like trash in the playoffs offensively or inconsistently this time around. Like, I, I really feel like the Bucks have to be in the same tier as the Nets, especially without Kyrie Irving. The Bucks have a legitimate like 50-50 shot of knocking the Nets off. I think Giannis and KD are going to be competing for the MVP this year, depending on how many games KD plays, of course. But they, I like the, I also like the fringe pickups they made, getting Grayson Allen from the Grizzlies, and they just extended him today. He's a shooter that they can add to the starting lineup while Dante G- DiVincenzo comes back. I like Semi Ojale replacing P.J. Tucker because P.J. Tucker was a literal nothing on the offensive end in the playoffs. And his best trait, his defense, was just getting torched by Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> yeah, and DeAndre <laughs> Yeah, and the, really the only value P.J. Tucker added was in the finals getting offensive rebounds because the Suns were hiding Chris Paul on P.J. Tucker, and that was his only value. At least Simi Ojale can guard bigger wings and shoot corner threes. 
and stuff like that. I just think the Bucks are going to level up just from championship swagger alone, and because that's a real thing. And yeah, no, I agree. And they know what I just, I just don't. And they think, know what I think to do now. Gap, but there, I think there's a gap, but I think there's a slight gap because if we do a theoretical matchup again with the Bucks and the Nets fully healthy. That's one not having Kyrie Irving there is actually going to be detrimental for the Nets because the matchups, the Bucks can then have multiple options with different matchups as opposed to, okay, we're going to have to put Drew on Kyrie and then um, Chris Middleton on Harden and then Giannis on KD. And, you know, the matchups are just static like that while, you know, you're leaving the rest of the Bucks roster to defend all the other good players. But I think without Kyrie, this actually hurts the Nets in a potential Bucks matchup. But I I have no quibble with you having the Nets number one because I do too. But I think they should be. I have them both in tier my tier one, which is contenders. You got to put respect on the champs' name. So oh, I, I had I had a favorite, and then I had like like the I it, it's basically one A one B. But I think there's sli- I think there's slightly different. I think these I are both like I think these are clearly the two best teams in the NBA. Yeah. Like, both conferences included. Like these are the two right here. Uh, okay. I am so I have to see with the Lakers before I That's fair. Again, there's too much unknown with the Lakers, but I think yeah. I I put those three as the top three teams. Like I think those are all pretty clear cut as like any of these can win the championship and I think are pretty favored to win the championship. Eh. Well I mean we talked about it last week, but I have the Lakers. Yeah, we talked about it last year. week. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But um, um, that that yeah, those are the two. Those are the two. The cream of the crop for me of the league. Yeah. So then I have I have in my tier three, right? So like again, you have them both in tier one, but in my tier three, I've heat. Uh, I've heat Sixers. Hmm. I'm okay. not sure in what order. Okay. So why do you have? Uh, let's talk about the Heat first. So I think last year was. A weird blip year because of all the injuries and the bubble, and I think that took a lot of toll on them. Yeah, it took a uh, lot of toll on the final four teams in the bubble. Yeah, so I, you know, I think that they come back fully healthy. I think they'll have a uh, renewed energy. I like the Kyle Lowry pickup. I don't think it's as like, oh my god, amazing as everyone thinks it is. But I just think that they are a solid top tier team that I could see just by pure grit doing some damage in the East. Yeah. Um, I talked about it a little bit in my video. I I like the Heat. I like the Heat's top-end talent. I don't like be basically beyond their top six. I don't like. And even then, like, one of their six main rotation players, P.J. Tucker, isn't. I don't know if he's good anymore. Like, he's obviously a rugged and tough defender. Um, you know, he'll definitely fight and scrap. But if you're talking about just technically defensively, like, he really can't stay in front of anybody anymore. Also, like, his one good offensive trait that we known him for and that we knew him for in Houston, the corner three, he hasn't been good at that the last two years. Like. The Heat have a I I like the top end talent of Lowry Butler Bam I think Tyler Tyler Hero is gonna have a bounce back year I think people were expecting him to have this unrealistic superstar leap last year because of his bubble performance and then he wildly wildly 
underperformed, even below like reasonable expectations. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Duncan Robinson, of course, one of the best shooters on the planet. You already see in preseason, like they're running some really just interesting and smooth actions with their three best players. Um, I just don't like, I just don't beyond their top six in the rotation. I just don't like, so I'm a little lower on the heat than a lot of people. Um, but I mean, they're going to be in the mix because Eric Spolster is a good coach. They have, you know, they have the good players like, like Dwayne Dedman and Markeith Morris don't move the needle for me as backup bigs. Oladipo could, uh, this is more hope than anything, but Victor Oladipo coming back, I think, I think the, one of the reports was he's coming back sometime in January, but him, I, I hope he could like, you know, revive his career and kind of inject something for the heat. Like that would be the one wild card that could maybe push it into nitrous oxide for them. But I really don't see it. Um, also, uh, I have to disagree with the uh, here. This, this is fun. This is another disagreement in the, uh, in the list, but the Hawks have to be third. I think the Hawks, uh, I, I, I have a tier two in the mix and I have Hawks, Sixers, Heat, Celtics. And, mm -hmm. um, I have to say, uh, I actually moved the Celtics. I actually know I have the Celtics ahead of the heat that that's what I I'm looking at my, cause I updated my tier list before I did the video. Um, but I think the Hawks should be number three and, they're deep at every position. The playoff run is going to immensely that they, they had last year is going to immensely help them. Um, they're too deep at every position. Um, they have wings. They have wings everywhere. Trey Young is obviously, you know, he's established himself as one of the best point guards in the NBA. I just think, I just think that. Um, I just think the Hawks are primed for a leap this year, and I think they're. They're going to be the third. I think they're clearly the third best team in the East. Uh, so I'm curious as to why you have the Heat and the Sixers over the Hawks, especially the Sixers, given, you know, the entire Ben Simmons situation. And I don't know how that's going to play out. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The Ben Simmons thing to me is uh, kind of the big question mark of like where I put, the, like, I could put the Sixers in the next tier below. Like, so I have, for context, I have the Hawks in tier four right below. So I have them like right, like, if I could, if I could put them in the middle tier, put them like three point five. I just don't like. I've never been a Trey Young person, and I I think that his defensive problems come up in the play as, are going to be a problem as he start as we start to play more important basketball. That um, wasn't the I case last year, though. No, but I think I, I also think last year was a little like a lot of the top teams last year. The teams that I thought were good last year weren't. I don't think played to their best. No, they didn't. But the Hawks, but Trey Young rose to the moment and took those games. Sure. Again, offensively, I can't deny that. I'm, I'm just saying I've never been a Trey Young fan, so I, I might be undervaluing the Hawks here. I think you definitely are undervaluing the Hawks. Like they have good players everywhere, man. Like I can understand you hesitate not being a Trey Young fan, even though I thought he erased a lot of concerns last year. Uh, I think the playoff run should have give him equity, but like. They, they still have DeAndre Hunter, who was injured but took a leap as a three-level scorer. They still have Bogdan Bogdanovich. They have Kevin Herter. Like, they have offensive weapons everywhere, and their defense was getting better towards the end of the playoffs. Like, 
this this team has way more talent than the rest of, than the ever, if you look down the list of Eastern Conference teams like you can argue the Celtics and the Heat might have more top end talent but if you're talking about depth with actual playable talent at every position like the Hawks are clearly better than every team in this in the rest of this conference in my opinion sure I, I again to me it to me it I'm just not I don't like their top end talent and so the depth to me like I don't know how much like I would take the top end talent from a lot of other teams and so for me it's a thing of I I put a lot of emphasis on star power and like where I feel like you could play like to me if Embiid is such a force like that's why I have the Sixers higher like even without Ben Simmons I think Embiid's such a force and like they have enough role players around him where I actually think they would make function better without Ben Simmons and oh yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think like so. That's why that's why I have them higher than the Hawks, and I have them. I have them in the same tier as the Heat. But Trey Young established himself as a top twenty player last year. Like he's bona fide one of the best guards, point guards in the NBA. Like he's an incredible. Again, that's that's my again that's my bias against Trey Young. That's just me. I understand. I have a bias against Trey Young. I understand. I don't like Trey Young. So I understand in my mind, I'm just not, I'm just never going to value him as high. As high. All, all right, man. I, I guess uh, I can't argue with your, I can't argue with that reasoning if you're admitting your bias, but. Yeah, I, no, I, well, I fully know my bias and I just, I'm, I've never liked him as a player and I never, I never, I, look, he goes off on stretches. I just don't like the lack of defense and I don't like the, like, I just don't like his game. So the, to me, it's just, it's, I don't, I don't ever put him like in- incredibly high. Like I'm, pr- I'm lower on him than I think most people. Have at what point. about, what about the fact that he it addressed took me a those, long, what about it, the fact that he dre- addressed those concerns? Like you don't change your opinion as the facts goes even a little bit. It's like, I wasn't the biggest Trey young guy too, but he kind of proved me wrong in his rookie year. Like he already shattered my expectations of Trey. I wasn't the biggest Trey young guy when he was coming out of Oklahoma, but I just don't. I I don't think he'll ever win a championship, and I, I don't think he'll ever be able to carry a team deep. Like, on like, okay, he. Well, he kind of he did in the conference finals I know. last year. But like again, I thought I think last year was a weird year where there's just teams that just underperformed. Where it, I don't I think it's less trade to me. I put more on like a lot of the top teams were either hurt or did really poorly, and they're just the healthiest team left. Yeah, but the Sixers, you know. They should have. I mean, yeah. As much as I say, like, if you replay that series again, the Sixers should have beat the Hawks. If you re- if you replay that series again, and Ben Simmons isn't a piece of garbage, I think they're fine. I agree with that. I think they but that's not out. that. I mean, that's kind of like. I mean, we can do the whole what if with the Bucks and you know the Suns and all that stuff. Yeah. Like everybody played again, in the like, same circumstances. Yeah. No, I'm 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 not I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying like to me, it's it goes back to the thing with. Things just line up, right? Like I thought last year, the year just lined up for it lined up for the Suns to me, and it lined up for the the Hawks to me, and it you know the they got shut they you know they finally got shut down. But the thing to me is like I don't put that on like to me when you go you you can only play who you're given, right? And you can only play, you can go go through. So I don't put it against Trey Young, but I don't I don't see it as a for Trey Young if you know what I mean. I don't hold it against him. But I don't. I, to me, it doesn't add to his legacy of like he did all this stuff against an injured Bucks team or an injured whatever team. 
Yeah, he dropped. Well, the Bucks injuries really only started happening in like game four and five. Like Trey Young dropped 40, 48 and eleven in the first game of his conference finals game of his life against a healthy Bucks team. Like I don't know, man. Like it's out. Like the concerns to me about Trey Young are kind of old news now. Like he. He's an offensive engine unto himself, and he has all these shooters and playmakers around him. I just don't – if the Hawks win less than, like, 55 games, I will be shocked. Like, I'm not saying they'll go back to the conference finals. I think the Bucks and the Nets are clearly the conference finalist team. But I think, you know, I think the Hawks are well-constructed. They have well-constructed their team around their star point guard. They have – they gave him a solid backup in uh Darrell in a uh, Dewan Wright. I think Sharif Cooper could low-key get some productive minutes for them this year as well. I just the Hawks have talent top to bottom with different not just talent like whether it be athleticism with guys like Hunter and Reddish, but like they can all score, they can shoot. Capella is argu- was arguably a defensive player of the year candidate last year. Like they the John Collins figured out how to fit with everybody um, despite, you know, playing next to a big in Capella, like the Hawks are, the Hawks are loaded. Like I would be, if the Hawks don't win over 55 games this year, if the Hawks don't win over 50 games this year, that's a failure. Like I, they're that good. I, I think they're that good. I just don't see it. But again, that that's, this is, this is good. Cause usually we really agree on stuff. <laughs> I, I think yeah, you're, I, just, I think you're I, hawk, I think you're wiling on your Hawks take to be honest. It is I good that we are it. disagreeing um, on this, and it's good that we have a disagreement in this podcast. But I think your Hawks take is wild. Yeah, we I, I just don't. I have them in the same. So I have them in tier four with the Celtics and the Bulls. I have them in the same camp here. There's no way the Hawks and the Bulls are in the same tier. There's no way. There's no way. They can't be in the same tier. I have in the same tier. Okay. All right. Let me just go to the rest of my tier list first. And I want you to explain why the Bulls and the Hawks are in the same tier. Uh, so in tier two, in the mix, I have the Hawks. I have the Sixers. I have the Celtics ahead of the Heat. Um, and I have the Heat last, so number six. And then tier three, the good play-in teams, I have the Knicks ahead of the Bulls. And... Um, yeah, those are my top eight. Uh, I think the Knicks and the Bulls are – they're good play-in teams. I like both of their off-seasons, actually, even though they – we all went, whoa, what? With, um, you know, all the contract extensions that uh, the Knicks gave out. But <laughs> Dude, the Knicks, spent, the Knicks spent money in weird places. <laughs> the, the, the contracts aren't bad. They could trade them. Um, also like they're kind of like placeholders in case a star gets pissed off and wants to leave his team. But I think the Knicks have a little bit more offensive creation now. Hopefully Kimba can stay healthy. Um, and Fournier didn't have a good year after he was traded to the Celtics in the back half of last season, but he had COVID and was trying to recover from that. Um, but I think these two will help the Knicks immensely on the offensive end. I think R.J. Barrett's going to take another leap this year. Um, I hope so, man. The thing with R.J. is like he has it in stretches, and the thing with him is it's all it's all the efficiency. There's some games where he shoots like three for thirty, 
and you're like, man, what happened? And then the next game, he'll he'll play great, and then he'll then he'll he's so hot and cold. I don't understand. Yeah, he did. He did shoot forty percent on the year from three, so it averaged out. But like, yeah, but like, averaging out is different than like night to night. Like, you can't have not hot and cold nights. That's not how you be a successful NBA player. Every player has hot and cold nights. That's what averages are, though. No, well, but like not for if you're a if you his the expectation the expectation for RJ Barrett is not an average NBA player. Yeah, that's but... not that's not your expectation for RJ Barrett. I think he was a little bit above average last year, though. Like, he averaged almost 18, six rebounds, three assists, shot 40% from three. He needs to up his field goal percentage and finish better around the rim and all that. But, but like, so, so for me, it's like, it's like, uh, I always said this about Deshaun Jackson in fantasy football. Deshaun Jackson to me was like the, the fool's gold of, of fantasy football in his prime because he would have some weeks where, like, he would get two catches for, t- for 10 yards or whatever. And then he would have like one game where he goes for like six catches, three touchdowns, and 150 yards, like long bombs. And you're like, cool. His two week average is like he's he's a really good wide receiver. It's like look at his averages, and you're like, well, he 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 did really well one week, and then like shit for two other weeks. But like the one week bumps everything else up, right? So like to me, I when you look at averages like that, like you have to to me you have to look at the box scores and look at like see. Okay, like, how is his consistency? Is it consistent averages, or is it, like, he has a hot game or a couple hot games, and then, like, he's pretty mid the rest of the time? So, like, that's I, have the, I have the shooting splits in front of me. So, January, R.J. Barrett shot 35% from three, which is average. In February, he shot 47%. March, he shot 34 April, he shot uh, 48 And then May, he shot 45 So, he's had three months where he shot over 40% from three. Like, no, he, I'm not talking again. I'm I'm talking like game to game. Like there was game like games in the middle where you're like, dude, what is going on? Oh yeah, on he's had some cold stretches for sure. But my point is like, what NBA player doesn't go through cold stretches? Like if R.J. Barrett was a more consistent three point shooter, he would be leading the league in three point percentage because he already shot forty percent from three. Like yeah, but like, so again, when I'm when I'm looking at. Like even even like role players, like when you look at like some role players, you're like, okay, I understand what I can expect from you night to night. Where like when you look at some, when you look at especially young guys, and I don't put this all on RJ because I think he's still young and I think he still can figure it out. I think like I'm a, I'm still a big believer in it, right? But to me, it's a thing of when I when what can I expect from you night to night, and when your coach is looking at you and going, okay, can I what can I expect from him tonight? What can I expect from him on this one play? What can I expect from him? When you're night to night, like when you're going in a in a week, you're having four games on, three games off. Yeah, it averages out, but like that means every every other night is a maybe or a question mark. There's no like baseline, like, yeah, this is what I can expect from you. You're either really good or you're trash. He does need to get better in other areas, like you know, finishing around the rim. And that was the most concerning thing because that was such a like huge that. strength of his. Like yeah. uh, the shooting from three wasn't isn't my huge concern because that's something that he's still working on. My thing is like, dude, he he has some inconsistencies at the rim that are really concerning. Like he does need to get better at that, but I think like driving the like remember because remember coming into the league, yeah. the, com- the comp the comp for him was like a, like a Harden, like someone that can get to the basket and finish. No, the rim. I thought more of the comps were Jalen Rose, like. That's that was the comp I heard consistently. I don't think anybody 
I at least no, I haven't. Like, I haven't heard. I didn't hear Harden or anything like that. The 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 comps that I was hearing for him coming in were like a like the he has the dribbling and driving ability of a James Harden, where he can kind of get to the basket and finish at the rim creatively and, and kind of do all this. And I was like, okay. And so watching him in college, I was like, okay, I can kind of see it. Like he, he has potential to be able to do that. And then now he like he gets stripped going to the basket a lot. He he misses layups a lot and like a lot of finishes that for for a player of his caliber should be able to finish. Like again, it's just something where when I watch RJ, I'm not the things that I thought were his strengths turned turn up to be a lot more inconsistent than I thought they would be at this point. I mean, he's in his. He, this is going to be his third year, so I mean, I think he's improved in different areas, oh, and I think he's taking he's a step back in some other areas. But it's his third year, and I think, I think he would. Third year is usually when players put it together. Yeah, um, yeah. See, I'm looking at the 2019 Ringer Draft Guide, and there it was shades of Kevin O'Connor. At least had it shades of. Jalen Rose, Alpha Andrew Wiggins. That's pretty funny. Um, Alpha Andrew Wiggins. That's funny. Har- Harrison <laughs> Harrison Barnes, Rudy Gay. Um, he took some strides defensively last year too. Um, his metrics also got better. I just think um, with multiple with more multiple ball handlers this time around, that's going to help out R- RJ quite a bit, um, especially if Kemba can stay healthy. And also, we forgot. You know, we can't forget Julius Randle had a All NBA caliber season last year and yeah he got he kind of got exposed in the playoffs like we kind of know what he is as a player in the playoffs maybe he'll take another leap this year um but I think his type of game isn't um I think his type of game needs it it helps more to have more guards out on the floor so that's kind of why I like some of the signings the Knicks did um their calling card's going to be their defense and if Mitchell Robinson you know, could stay healthy for once. Um, Nerland's no, I like him a lot, man. I do, I do too. Uh, he just needs to stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, Nerland's Noel, can he, you know, replicate the, uh, same type of year he had last year? He finally put it together as like a rim shot blocking, switching type of big. Um, but I really, I, I like, I, I like that the Knicks have credibility thanks to Tom Thibodeau. And they kind of have an identity already. They're just going to be a tough-as-nails defensive team, to, and they'll work hard. Um, and they already kind of upgraded, you know, from, like, the Bullock, the Reggie Bullocks and the uh, and the Alec Burks of the world with, uh, you know, Akimba on a pretty cheap deal, you know, getting Fournier. I, I just – I like this Knicks team, and I have the Knicks over the Bulls um, as those are my seven and eights in the uh, tier three, which is the good play in teams. Okay. All right. So I have to ask why are the Bulls in the same tier as the Hawks for you? I love the Bulls. I like the Bulls off season too, but they are not better than the Hawks or in the same universe as the Hawks. No, I, so to me, it goes down to, they are extremely their roster is extremely flexible from both an offensive and defensive perspective i think they're going to have a lot of movement a lot of motion they're going to get out and run on offense I, yeah i agree with that like i think they have a lot of potential to be a highly switchable defense as well like i think they just have pieces where they can cause a lot of havoc on the defensive end and then get out on the pass break and run and to me, it's gonna it's it completely changes the tempo at which we've been seeing the Bulls play the last couple of years, and it opens it up, and it really 
they're playing to Zach Levine's strengths, which I really love. Yeah, I and I I just I I just think their roster they're they're like they're top seven eight players to me. I I love them all, and I think like they're I think they can make a huge run here and a huge step up from last year. Everybody's everybody's getting really high on the Bulls supply. I <laughs> I love the Bulls offseas. I love Lonzo Ball. I like that they signed Alex Caruso. I think the DeMar DeRozan signing was actually pretty good because he turned into a different player in San Antonio. I highly doubt a lot of people watched any type of Spurs basketball, but DeRozan became a awesome playmaker during his time in yeah. San Antonio. Um when you say defensively, and I've had, and I've been on a podcast with, uh, I've been on a few podcasts with other people who have said this about the Bulls. I don't see it at all defensively. I count three good players that are good on defense on this roster, which is Lonzo Ball, obviously, Alex Caruso, and Patrick Williams. And there's probably two or three other, there's probably one or two other tertiary guys I'm forgetting about. But if you're talking about the top six, the top eight players on this roster, I don't know if Derek Jones Jr. is going to get that many minutes, but DeRozan's not a good defender. Vucevic, you cannot play a switching scheme with Vucevic as your center. You cannot. He is a drop center. He gets roasted when he gets switched onto guards. Zach Levine, his defensive struggles have well been documented. Even though he's improved, he is still one of the worst off-ball defenders in the NBA. He can get engaged a little bit on ball, but like Lonzo Ball, he's a good defender. I think his strength is more off-ball, but he can stay in front of guards as well. Same with Caruso. Patrick Williams, you're gonna you're asking a lot of Patrick Williams, who is gonna be coming back from an ankle injury so- soon, actually, to basically be Kawhi Leonard in year two of his career and I just don't think that's realistic so if you're looking at the Bulls top eight players we'll we'll throw in Derek Jones Jr. too because even though he really doesn't provide much else offensively he's a good he's a you know pretty decent defender the Bulls I don't see how this roster is going to be in the top 15 on defense, especially when their center, both of their centers, um, you know, because Tony Bradley signed with the Bulls in the offseason. Both of those like guys both of those guys are primarily drop coverage centers and they'll get roasted on switches. So I mean you only have like three good perimeter defenders. And if your projected starting lineup is say Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Patrick Williams, and Nikola Vucevic. That two of your th- that's only two players in your starting lineup that are good defensively. And I just don't I think offensively, they're gonna be awesome. The 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 string music between Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine is going to be incredible. It was already shown dividends in the preseason. Same with DeRozan. I think DeRozan's gonna oddly fit with this team, even though he doesn't shoot threes or whatever, like he'll find his spots and he'll be effective, especially cause that entire starting lineup, they can all shoot. But I really like it's, it, they have a lot of talent, but it's also just, an, it's also, it's also just weird enough to where I am not as high on the bulls as other people are because 
they have there's such contrasting styles between all these players that it's going to be an odd mix anyway. I think offensively it's going to be they're going to have some stretches where it's like, oh shit, here come the Chicago Bulls. But defensively, yeah. they're still going to get roasted. And also, I'm not sure Billy Donovan is a good coach. So I don't know how they're in the same tier as the Hawks. <laughs> so again, I'm just higher on them than you are. I'm, I Again, I can't disagree with anything you're saying because like, metrically, yeah, I, I don't, it doesn't say anything. To me, I to me i'm it's off the potential of like the athleticism and the long boy athleticism of like when you have long athletic people out there that are if they can if they buy in defensively and they start swarming they can they like just size wise and length wise they can switch so much stuff they have troy brown jr who i like too that's kind of i feel is underrated i like colby white still I'm still a believer in Colby White, which I feel like he got kind of fucked in this whole and what they're doing in the offseason. <laughs> he's going to get traded, I feel. Yeah, which is sad because I think he, I think he's also potential. I like if I if I had to make a list of potential trade targets before the trade deadline, Kobe White shoots up to the top of my list with all the guards they signed. Yeah, because he he's now in like third string, barely getting off the bench, if unless situationally. Which sucks because, you know, he uh, his whole career, he's basically, well, in his first year, obviously, was Jim Boylan. But then, you know, um, second year, he was a little bit, he was uh, pretty good under Billy Donovan. But with Caruso, with Ball, with DeRozan, with um, Levine. Yeah, he's, like the, he's like the sixth best guard on their team now. Yeah, and they're probably, they're going to get roasted defensively for stretches of the season, I imagine. There's going to be some rotation decisions. There's going to be weeks where White might be squeezed out. I just don't see White being on the Bulls by the end of this year. But that's just me. I get to that, but yeah, even even him. Like I, I still, I, I just like the the energy that they can bring, and I think that if again, if they buy, if they all buy in, there's a lot of potential here for them to be really good defensively. Okay, at least I believe so. So one more. Okay, so I'm going to ask one more Hawks Bulls question to you, then I'll leave it alone. I will just. I will I will let you I will let you be with your Hawks takes. So you're telling me if you look at the top eight of the Hawks wrote of the top eight, just take I'm not even gonna count all the Hawks players. Just look at the top eight from the Hawks rotation and the Bulls top eight. You mean to tell me that the Bulls could compete with the Hawks? Yes. That's that, I believe they can compete. That's that's crazy. That's, I don't know if they could, again. I don't know if they could win, but they could compete. I think they can give them a run. All right, we're gonna have to see. I, I think that I think that's uh I I think that's crazy. But we'll revisit this at the end, and we'll see. We'll see. This, this is a this is the this is a bob bookmark. I am bookmarking this. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I am bookmarking this. And you could do that to me too if you think I'm insane on something. No, but I, and again, but, I think at this at this point we both understand that like we're I'm happy to take my lumps if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, me too. There's no there's no like whatever. I I just believe that they're like the Bulls can compete with the Hawks in a like in if they come to a series. I I think that that's a they might I think the Hawks might win four zero, but I think all of those games would be hard fought. Like I think those, I think those are battles. 
Uh, I'm, I would, I would venture to say like two of those games would be close. I think the Hawks would trounce the Bulls. I, I, all right. I, yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave it alone. We'll, we'll revisit this topic. <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit it. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, I guess I'll go to tier four with my other play in teams, the teams that I think are going to be scrapping for mm-hmm. the nine and 10 spots. Um, so I have the Pacers nine. And then I have the Raptors 10th. And then I have the Hornets 11th. Um, Pacers, I think the Pacers, they have they have a lot of talent. And especially at the beginning of the year last year, they kind of showed that they were, you know, a solid team. I just think the coaching situation there was so tenuous and fragile with the whole Nate Bjorkian saga that um, – Everything just kind of fell apart. Injuries also took place and all that. But I think Rick Carlisle coming there uh, gives the Pacers... Stabilizes. I'm sorry? Stabilizes them. Yeah, it stabilizes them. But also Carlisle's known to bring the best out of lesser... He's brought the best out of lesser rosters than what the Pacers have now. And the Pacers still have Miles Turner, Damanis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon... I know TJ Warren still has that foot problem. He's going to be coming back in November soon, uh, or next month actually. It's November's wow approaching fast. Um, I, I just like the pace. I like the combination of the coach and talent, uh, which is just enough for me to put them above the Raptors and Hornets. The Raptors, I'm a little bit higher on than a lot of people are, because I think Nick Nurse is a top three coach in the league. Um, I think OG Ananobi is set to take a, another step this year as more than a 3 and D guy. I thought he really showed some creation. Um, I thought he really showed some creation potential, especially after the Raptors traded Norm Powell to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Um, he's still he's career 40% three-point shooter, takes a leap every year as a defender, and he was good the minute he stepped into the league. Pascal Siakam, even in a down year, is still a good year. Fred Van Vliet. Like, they still have talent up and down the roster. And I feel like Scotty Barnes is actually going to have an impact instead of being told to, like, stand in the corner and just sit there. I think Nick Nurse is actually going to use him and figure out how to bring the best out of Scotty Barnes. I think Barnes going to the Raptors was a godsend for him, uh, for somebody like him. Especially because, you know, he, he just has this different type of infectious energy that I think pretends to a great work ethic. He's long. He can dribble. He can pass. He just can't shoot. And that's going to be what's that's going to be the deciding thing for him. But he already fits with the Raptors ethos of just long boys and not only that, you know, long players who can dribble, who are just cerebral. Um Gary Trent Jr. also who they got in the Norm Powell trade last year. I actually think if you look at the Raptors' projected starting five, you think it would be Van Fleet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, who is also injured. He'll he's going to be coming back at some point over the next month. Um, and Can I just throw, say how much I love OG Ananobi? <laughs> yeah, I love OG. I OG Ananobi is one of my favorite players. His second year was derailed with uh, I think he had appendicitis and uh, yeah. also he had some personal family tragedy that happened. So he kind of even in his step back, his year where he took a step back, it was still 
an improvement. And then, it, like, this past season, like, he really just took off as a scorer and uh, and an offensive creator. And then in his bu- the bubble year, his third year, um, the his bubble playoffs, like, he really showed that he could be a small ball five and just unlock all types of pure, just just raw talent of the Raptors switching everything on defense. And that's the thing with the Raptors. I think they're going to be a good defensive team this year um, with all the length and nurses, defensive schemes and all that stuff. But then you throw in the fifth starter. Let's say it's like Chris Boucher or something like that. That's a lot of length and that's still a lot of shooting and a lot of dribble penetration because I know a lot of people think the Raptors offense might, and it, it fairly thought thinking so, the Raptors offense might not, it's not going to be as good this year. They're still going to, like they I said, they got to use a lot of motion. They're going to, gonna, they're still going to be a play in team, but I think they're going to be a, better than a lot of people think. And then the Hornets, I mean, this is my, this is my whale song. I love the Hornets. Um, I have LaMelo Ball, obviously. I'm looking to see what he does in his second year. Hopefully, Gordon Hayward can stay healthy. I think their center position was upgraded just by the mere fact that it's it's not Bismack Biombo and uh Cody Zell Cody Zeller manning the center position. So it's kind of a nowhere but up type of uh thing. Like Mason Plumley, he was you know, he was solid with the Nuggets when he was backing up Jokic and was, you know, okay with Detroit. Um didn't really play much, but I think he's a nice passing center. He's a nice passing big to pair with Lamelo. I think Kai Jones is he's the high upside. Like you don't know which is a glass. Yeah. yeah, it's a glass cannon. You don't know what you're gonna get night to night, but I imagine his his uh high games are gonna be ten times better than that of like Bismack Biombo or Cody Zeller's best game last year. Um and then of course they still have Miles Bridges, PJ Washington. Like they could go small they can uh they have a lot of versatile lineups from the garden wing spot. But um it's the bigs that I'm still worried about, but they have a lot of scoring. And, you know, James Borrego is a good coach. So I think they are going to be, once again, scrapping for the play-in. But I don't think they're going to get anything higher than that, especially with, you know, hoping Gordon Hayward could stay healthy is a kind of a dicey proposition. Will Kelly yeah, Oubre Jr. Coin at that point. Will Kelly Oubre Jr. bounce back? I don't know. So those are my three teams in the Tier 4. So I agree with you with all of these. Uh, these are all my playing teams as well. I also, I have a fourth team in here that is a uh, a spicy one, maybe. I have the Pistons potentially being in this in this mix as well. Eh. Hear me out. Okay. Healthy Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, Isaiah Stewart. They can throw out you, they can throw out NBA lineups, that's for sure. And then you throw Kate in there as well. And you still have Hamadou Diallo out there as a backup and Kelly they signed Kelly Olenek. I really like Trey Lyles and Corey Joseph as well too. Like I think they can do I think they can be okay. And uh, I think they can be okay enough to be a five hundred team. Which in the East could get you in the play in. I think the Pistons are I think they're, they're high up. This is a high upside. If that to me, a high upside Pistons season is still like 27 to 29 wins. I think this team is way too young and the vets they have, 
Like they're good vets. They're like I said, the Pistons are going to be able to throw out some NBA lineups in some close games this year. Like if you just imagine a lineup of, you know, Killian Hayes or Corey Joseph if Killian Hayes doesn't take a leap this year. Yeah, and then Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, and then Kelly Olynyk. Like that's a nice five out lineup, right? The problem mm-hmm. is they're just young everywhere else, and yeah. I don't think the Pistons are better than the Wizards or the Cavs, who I would have in my Tier 5, which is playing hunting. I think I have – personally, I have the Pistons in Tier 6. I'm going to be watching the Pistons because they have a lot of young talent, and I think Cade Cunningham is going to be good. But I just can't see them leap, leaping the Wizards and the Cavs. I'm not saying your take is insane by any stretch. I just don't. I just don't. I see just, it. I just think. I, I just, think. I, I don't think Dwayne. I think Dwayne Casey is still a fantastic coach. Oh yeah. And I think that when you when you add, like looking at what they did last year, it was just their offense was really disjointed because it was like okay, let's pass the ball around and then let's get it into Jeremy Grant's hand and let, let him cook. Was kind of their whole offense. Mm-hmm. Or like. And then, hey, maybe Sadiq Bey can hit an open three, or like maybe he can just like chuck something up. It just—it was just a really disjointed offense. So, like when you add a piece like Cade that is able to distribute and be sort of the connecting tissue, kind of like how Halliburton was, I think that it stabilizes your entire offense. And then again, like you could have again, you don't have a Chris Paul, right? It's not—it's not the same. And I don't want to compare it to Chris Paul going to the Thunder, but it is the same thing of like you just have young guys that are just going out there and playing with no expectation, with no with kind of just playing really, really free and just kind of playing basketball. And then when you have, when you throw in like a battery like that, they're able to sort of play off of that battery and then just play free and open and well, because no expectation, right? There's no pressure. So when you're young like that, you're just going out and playing and balling and like, mm-hmm. Hey, they might, they might pick up some wins. And to me, a, a mid thirties to low forties win right here is the high end. Like if they all, if they, if it all works out for them, I think it, I think they could be, I don't think they'll make the plan, but I think they could be in the hunt where, like, you're looking at them like, oh, maybe they I only like did put the Pistons. I almost did put the Pistons in Tier 5 behind the Cavaliers, but um, it, I just have to see a roster full of 21-year-olds actually try to win in the East because the East is better yeah. than the West this year. And yeah. if you're talking about just the top eight alone, I think are clearly better than the Pistons. And then I think the i think the top 11 is clearly better than the pistons i i just don't see how the wins i just don't see where the wins are going to come if they're going to be shooting for if their high upside is 35 40 wins or low 40s wins i just don't see it with a young roster like this and uh but they do have it i i do see your point like they could they could like be in the mix for a bit because they do have Jeremy Grant, who I thought took a legitimate leap last year. It wasn't empty calories. Um, I I like the uh, Kelly Olynyk signing, like I mentioned earlier. I like Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, who showed a lot of offensive flashes towards the end of last season. Um, he's a rugged, tough rebounder, but also showed a little bit of offensive pop. So he's going to be getting some minutes this year. Looking forward to watching him as well. Um, I just don't see with this roster how they're going to be better than the Wizards or the Cavs, who I think just have better talent overall top end. Um, the Pistons, to me, are only talent, more talented than the Magic, and that's not really saying much either. 
I guess. No, the Magic, the Magic to me are the worst team in the. In oh, the, they're uh, they're clearly the worst. They're, team in they're the clearly the worst team in the East. I, they have and, and a lot like, of young players. I like. The NBA. I think they're the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I was thinking because even the bottom cleared, tier Western Conference teams are better <laughs> than they cleared the shit, man. They like they just cleared everything. Yeah, the Magic do have a lot of young players I like, and it might be the leap year of Mo Bamba if if uh, preseason is any indication. <laughs> Finally, oh no, Kevin O'Connor will be vindicated, and, and when, so will when I. Are we, when when are we going to get the uh, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba front line? <laughs> that. I think that front line can work if Mo Bamba's three is real um, and uh, Jonathan Isaac can actually, you know, play 60 games. <laughs> that's that's the only thing. Uh, but I guess I should go to my tier five. Um, so I have the Wizards and Cavs here. Uh, I think the Wizards have the best player out of these play-in and play-in hunting teams with Brad Beal. Um I think the Spencer Dinwiddie signing was a very clever, or the sign-in trade with Dinwiddie was very uh, clever to try to get out of the Westbrook deal. I think Dinwiddie's a good player, um, and I just, I just feel like it, I struggled putting the Wizards here because it could also go bad, and Bradley Beal could just want out. This is the last year of Beal's contract, but I mean, Kyle Kuzma. I mean, you, you've obviously, you've spent a lot of your time watching Kyle Kuzma, but if you're asking him to kind of carry the offensive load, we've kind of seen what it is. We kind of know what his best role is as a cutting spot up guy. Like he's really good at that stuff. Yeah. He's really good at that. And I just wonder, is he going to go back to this role now? Hopefully not with the two guards that they have. Davis Bertans is just $60 million wasted on on the bit on you know, on a roster spot pretty much um wasn't good last year injured last year and just 16 million dollars for a guy who basically just bombs away threes at any chance he gets and gets yeah. roasted me, he me, gets roasted on Bertons, defense and does nothing on the offensive end besides shooting waste of 16 million dollars yeah to me Bertons is a player that's wasted on a bad team like yeah, to me Bertons would be really he would be really good as a role player on a championship team, but he is wasted on a garbage team. So like, the, he does nothing. Like the Spurs. Yes, he does nothing. Yeah, he did. Like, yeah, he was off. He's been off injured with his two years in Washington, and he really just he's a good. He's an elite three point shooter, but that he really provides nothing else. KCP, yeah, that's a nice championship that's three nice and D guy. Like that's that's a nice that's a nice piece. Montres Harrell will definitely get some time there. Hopefully Thomas Bryant can get better from the ACL. I love Rui Hachimura. I'm and... waiting for a I I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but my heart is set on seeing a fully healthy season from Rui Hachimura because I think that kid he's has some stuff. Yeah, he's... well, dude, I think he has some stuff. But every time he starts to ramp and you start to see like, oh, he's getting he's figuring it out, he gets hurt. Yeah, yeah. or something happens, or he gets like pink eye, whatever he had. Mm-hmm. And then, and you're like, man, I, if he just has some time, because he he's only played like he played, I think, 50 games the first year, and then 60 games last year. But it's all like it's not straight. He's he's playing these in like 20, 20, 15, 20 game chunks. And you're it, like, man, I just want him to be able to sit and like play through as a year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I I agree. Um, I think 
Yeah, I I think the world of Hachimura. They have Denny Abdia too. I'm I'm a huge Aaron Holiday fan. Hopefully he could get some time behind Beal and Dinwiddie. And uh, they got obviously got Daniel Gafford from the Bulls in a trade last year. Nice energy, big plays hard, can dunk everything in sight. Um, the Wizards have a lot of talent on this team. I just need to see how it's going to coalesce together. They could have the ceiling of you know beating out the Raptors or the Hornets. I just know what I have with the Hornets and Raptors. I have to see yeah. with the Wizards. I have to see how Dinwiddie looks coming off the ACL tear. I have to see who yeah. the who, you know, the three new Lakers. I have to see how they look in their role. So that's why I have them at the top of this tier playing hunting. And then the Cavs, I think this is the year Darius Garland's going to take the leap. He's going to take the De'Aaron Fox-esque leap into establishing himself as one of the young guards in the NBA. Um, doesn't look like the Cavs are, have agreed to, uh, a Colin Sexton extension. The deadline passed. Uh, my friend Evan Damarell reported that before the deadline that the Cavs were not going to, uh, extend Colin Sexton. Um, so it looks like it's going to be, uh, uh, restricted free agency game. But if you've seen how Evan Mobley looks in the preseason already, he looks incredible. The Cavs, the Cavs, I think the Cavs. You know, the last two years, there was kind of questions like, the Cavs have a lot of young talent, but how does that all necessarily fit together? And for me, if you're a shitty team, fit shouldn't matter. You should just get good players and see who shakes out, right? And I think we're getting to that point with the Cavs because I think the I think in terms of the most important positions on the roster, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, I think, set the franchise up for the next five to seven years if they – if they keep to me, to me, developing you're on around, the trajectory. To me, you're building around Garland, Okoro, and Mobley. Those are your three pieces that you're building around. I'm not so sure about Okoro yet. I have to see more offensively from him in his second year. But I think he's a great defender. But he can be part of that young core. That's just – not that I full-on disagree with you. I just need to see more from Okoro personally. I think – for me, Okoro last year, I think he had so much on his plate defensively because they oh, have yeah, no yeah. one else. He got thrown him. into the fire immediately yeah, when that, the season like, started. It's hard, it's hard for you to develop any kind of offensive game more than slashing when all you're doing is when 80% of your energy is being spent trying to chase around the top players in the NBA. Yeah, but there's still some mechanical stuff offensively with the court. Like, can he shoot better? Can he not dribble as high with his... Yeah. Like, like, can he actually create for others? Because I know that was a role that the Cavs tried to make him do in summer league was be more of a facilitator and all that stuff. But, uh, and it still looked clunky. So that's what I want to see from Okoro, but your point still yeah. stands like Okoro. It, he works hard. I can't imagine him not being a part of the encore. I just need to see it. Um, that's fair. And I'm still a huge Jared Allen fan. I think. He's oh yeah. I love it. Yeah. I just, I, I, and I don't. It's not even that I don't. Mobley's like skill set might actually make a Twin Towers lineup work for the Cavs yeah. for a bit. Not in the so bigger is, picture, but in the short term. So this is something. This is something that like, and I want to call out first. I don't hate Laurie Marketing. I actually really like Laurie Marketing. I just don't understand the Cavs' reasoning for signing Laurie Marketing. I don't understand a lot of the reasons why they traded and extended for him, but I do. There are two legitimate reasons that I think are valid. The Cavs were absolutely trash shooting the three last year in every category, which is attempts, makes, percentage, sure. and all that stuff. And I think the thinking is marketing 
kind of gives them that spot up shooter that they never had. Um, and which is, you know, it's not the best logic, but I get it. And also marketing can kind of play center also in a pinch. Um, but that's really the only reason I still don't get the extension. That's a, um, they traded for him and gave him a lot of money. Yeah. They traded for him and extended. And I like Laurie marketing too. He's been injured the last few years, but his second year with the bulls, I was like, okay, like we have something. Bro, with this I was guy. a full belief. I was a full believer in the market and Wendell Carter pair. Yeah, me too. I was a full believer in that. Yep. And then Jim Boylan kind of fucked all everything up. Yeah. But mm-hmm. again, to, I just don't get, again, I like him. I like the player a lot. I just don't get like when you have Mobley and Jared Allen, and given how yeah. close they all are in age, there's no reason to give Laurie Market all this money. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have done it either. But like uh, your your bigger concerns are wing depth and guard play, especially if you're going to lose Salt. Also, I think like, the, from, I don't understand why you need four forward centers. <laughs> also, from what I understand, you know the Cavs are trying to make the play in this year. They are. This isn't a quote unquote. This isn't a make or break season for them in terms of winning, but they want to take the next step. So I imagine that's why they traded for for a uh, Laurie Marketing. Um, also, Evan Mobley is going to be it's kind of Evan Mobley insurance this year because I think Evan Mobley is still going to have some really raw moments. He's still a developing big. He needs to, you know, obviously throughout the year you hope to see better shooting from him. Um, and you know you just tell the fluidity though the way he moves yeah the, is yeah so... the pre like preseason like mobley's got it he just needs to you know get playing time and develop like all young bigs do and so uh i think the mark that's the other reason for the market and signing but i wouldn't have done it but the Cavs do have talent i just don't think i think there's a gap between the wizards and the Cavs in this particular tier i don't think they're going to make the play in i did like a two-hour I can't believe we talked to Cavs for two hours, but I talked with uh, Evan Damrell. How'd you do that? Hey, when you have, it's kind of like podcast with you. When you talk, when you talk to somebody about hoops and <laughs> for a few hours, sometimes it just goes that long, you know. But uh, Evan Damrell does a great job covering the Cavs. Um, I had him on my podcast for two hours talking about you know the Cavs and going through the roster and stuff and then at the end we were all just like do they make the play in and we listed like 12 teams that were better than the Cavs we're like nope <laughs> that that's pretty much the answer they're not making the play in <laughs> but they'll be hunt- they're yeah. hunt for sure and then lottery yeah hunting. I think there's a lot oh sorry go I ahead. think the east is so I think the east is so deep and like that's why it's so interesting to me of like there's a lot of teams in here that could be in the hunt the only team I think that's out of it is the magic yeah, that's the only thing that I to me I can envision being like, yeah, you're irrelevant. I I think the Pistons and Magic are both out of it. I don't I don't see the uh, high upside part of the Pistons that you do. So personally, so to me, it's the thing of like, if you're playing the Pistons, and again, if this is this is again high end, right? Like if they're if they're young and they're playing, they're a team to me where like if you're the Bulls or the Celtics or the Hawks or the Sixers, and you're just on a back to back. They're a team that could get you if you're not playing. Where like the Magic, I think you could be fucking blindfolded. Mm-hmm. So like to me, like that's where a lot of like Pistons could steal a lot of these wins of like. Oh, I on, agree. The, I think the Pistons are, are like I, I have the Pistons ahead of the Magic. Yeah, to, but like that's why I have them. I have them separated just because it's like I don't feel I don't feel like the Magic could even like 
put up a fight. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, the, the, yeah, you're right. That's Pistons, that's definitely at least yeah. like the Pistons at least like, hey, if you're if you're sleepwalking through this game, like they're going to blow you out. Yeah, the Magic just have I like all the Magic's young guards, but they have too many young guards like they all still need to learn. Yeah. I'm a huge Cole Anthony guy still. I still love Cole Anthony. I like Cole Anthony. I like Jalen Suggs. I like RJ Hampton. Markel Fultz, he's still never going to be the number one pick that he was projected. I feel bad for Fultz. Uh, you're you're talking to somebody who lived through this entire Fultz like, song. To, like, trust me, I know me, how you feel. Cause, well, because last year he was, like, coming on. He was like, oh, man, he's finally got a rhythm. He's got a groove. Yeah, he was, and then he he gets was playing hurt. better. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then he gets hurt, and then now this roster has three of the kind of young up and coming guards, yeah. and and you're like, man, well, he has it. He he like was that. extended last season. Uh, yeah, so they but still like, kind of have a belief in him, but yeah, like now well, like he's going to come with back. Cole Anthony, his, yeah, Suggs and Hampton, you're not going to get playing. Time, and they dude. still have Gary Harris on the roster. They still have Terrence yeah. Ross on the roster. I imagine those two. Those are two other trade candidates I'm looking at this season too. Um, I used to be a big Gary Harris believer. That was one of my first bouts. I'm a big Terrence Ross guy. Again, eh, long boy. He, eh, Terrence Ross, like he could provide shooting, so I wouldn't mind him. But uh, one of my first Fourier's into NBA Twitter, um, on my old account, was uh, when the Nuggets first extended Gary Harris to that four-year, eighty-five million dollar extension. This was like back in 2017 or whatever. And looking and he back was, on that now, and he was, and he was coming off a year where. He, this was he was coming off his third year where he shot like he averaged like seventeen and shot forty five percent from three and was one of the best up and coming two way players in the NBA and literally all the replies I saw to Adrian Wardronowski's tweet because of course he reported this um, yeah the twenty seventeen eighteen season Harris was coming off of seventeen and a half. Um, no, it was, yeah, 2016-17, excuse me. He was coming off 15 points a game, 42% shooting from three, and was a hellacious defender. And Woj reported the extension on Twitter, and I saw a bunch of replies saying, like, what the heck, four years, 80 million for a guy who averaged 15 points? You know, that usual, yeah. you know, bullshit. And then I just simply replied to Woj. I was like, the people in here bitching about Harris's contract has watched literally two Nuggets games. And everybody, it like, I had got like 15 replies and everybody, it was just like 90% of them was just like, you don't know anything. Harris isn't good or whatever. And, and then there was a few Nuggets fans that were just like, thank you. Somebody understands how good Gary Harris is. And I was like, yeah, it's like, he's a good three and D player. Like that contract, like that was a steal. And then he gets hurt. For some reason, he forgets how to shoot. And now look where he is. It's kind of weird. Like he's taken a weird trajectory in his career so far. I hope he bounces back. I think a team could use him when the trade deadline rolls around. Yeah, but the I, Magic I think so. aren't going to be good this he, year. Yeah, to me, Gary Gary Harris and Terrence Ross are both players that can help a team. I just don't. I Gary Harris to me has always been like <laughs> again, it goes back to it's just inconsistent, man. Like I don't know what you I don't know what you are year to year, month to month. I don't know. Well, he he's been hurt a lot. Um, yeah, he hasn't really played much. Um, but remember in the bubble playoffs when the Nuggets were playing the Jazz and the Nuggets beat the Jazz in a in seven. That series changed when Gary Harris returned. I think it was Game Three or Four. But 
he was a he was able to start playing like 20 25 minutes a game and was the primary defender on Donovan Mitchell and that changed this his defense changed the series for the Nuggets like there is an impact player my point is there is an impact player somewhere in there still um and he's only 26 years old so a team should trade for Gary Harris someone should trade for Gary Harris Someone should trade it and Terrence Ross. Like the Magic still have some players that where they could be sellers at the market and, um, you know, add on to their young talent and their draft assets. So, um, but, you know, I'm going to be watching the Magic a lot this year still. Like they have all the guards, they have the bigs. Chumo Kiki was a nice find last year for the Magic as well. Um, maybe the Mo Bamba leap is coming this year. Like I said, if preseason Man, any indication, I would. I bought. I bought Mo Bamba stock so hard, I really did. Yeah, me too. I, I I'm still. Ho- he's been injured. Um. Also, <laughs> hey, but- wait. Question. No judgments. This doesn't leave the podcast. No judgments. Were you also a big Hashim the Beat guy? I, I wasn't like a huge Hashim the Beat guy, but I thought he was a lottery pick for sure. I thought he was going to be the shit. I thought he was going to be like the next. Like, I thought he was going to be like a def- center. I I, I thought he was going to be a defensive monster. <laughs> so did I. I thought he was like the next, like Dukemi Matumbo. Yeah, but uh, you know, <laughs> of course, <laughs> that that did not happen. Um, it would have been Dude, nice. I was, I was like, I was like, yo, him with Mark Gasol and Zebo. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, yeah. That would have been a. Uh, a, a, a realized Hashim Thabit would have been nasty on the Grizzlies. But, um, you know, you, you miss on a lot of these guys. The the draft is hard. So, you know, I was definitely wrong on Hashim Thabit being a lottery pick. That's for sure. <laughs> I wasn't like the – I remember watching him at UConn, and I was like, he's going to be a monster defensively. Not sure about the offense, but he could be like a lob-catching threat. You I mean he was huge? Oh yeah. But I thought he like what Gobert is now. I thought the beat was going to be. Yeah, that yeah that would have been the ideal outcome for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, can't believe we ended the podcast on Hashim the beat. But uh, here we yeah, are. I, I bought so much stock. Like if you there's NBA stock, I bought so much stock on him and OJ Mayo. All right, so let's uh. Oh, OJ Mayo. <laughs> wow. Uh, the Gri- the Grizzlies had a lot of potential prospects oh that God. I liked I when were... I was in high school and early college. <laughs> I thought they were going to be like, I thought they were building like dynasty shit. Cause I, I, I still love Mike Conley. Mike Conley's still, a, still He's one like, of my favorite I mean, players still. Left yeah. Gang. I still love him. But uh, let's go over our tier list one more time uh, before we end the podcast. So, my tier list, tier one contenders, I think the Nets and the Bucks are in this tier. Tier two in the mix, I have Hawks, Sixers, Celtics, Heat, and then um, the good playing teams, I have the Knicks and then the Bulls. These are all in order for me. Um, other playing teams, I have the Pacers, the Raptors, the Hornets, play and hunting, tier five, Wizards and Cavs, and then tier six, lottery hunting, I have the Pistons and the Magic. All right, yeah, I have uh, Tier 1 is my favorite, and I have the Nets. I have a contender in Tier 2, which is the Bucks. I have Tier 3, who are, like, kind of my top my top seeds are going to be the Heat and the Sixers. 
Tier four is sort of the middle tier. I have the Hawks, Celtics, Bulls, and Knicks. They're not in order, by the way. These are not in order. Uh, and then tier five, I have sort of the fringe bottom tier seeds and then play-in teams. And so it's the, I have the Pacers, Hornets, uh, Raptors. And uh, I have the I have the Pistons a little. Like, I have the Pistons, like the high-end Pistons here. And then I have tier six, which is sort of, the, or, sorry, the, I have tier six, which is the rest of the bunch, which is the Wizards, Cavs, and then Pistons on the low end. And then I have, the, I didn't even rank the Magic. I, I I should have put tier seven, but the Magic were like, I completely forgot to even put the Magic on here. <laughs> That's the ranking for the Magic. Me yeah, I just, I forgotten. like, I just didn't even put them on here. <laughs> the tier, the tier forgotten. That's what it's called. <laughs> the Magic. It was just like, yeah, they're just not, like, I, I full, I wouldn't surprise me if they won under 10 games. Uh, that's, that's actually, I, I'd agree with you. I think the magic, I think if they, if the magic win 17 games this year, I think that would be a success. I'm going to watch a lot of bad magic basketball though, because of the players, but you are really They're high on the good. Pistons. Oh, I, again, Pistons high end. I, again, it goes back to my thing. I, I love, I love, I love Cade. I think he's going to be, I think he could pull them together. Like if they, again, if they, on the high end. If they start, if they start to just kind of get on a roll and get some confidence going, again, young players with confidence this is a dangerous thing. And then plus, I, I, I have a lot of faith in Dwayne Casey as a coach too. I think he can pull them together. I don't know, man. I have a lot of faith in them as like uh, the the blind bliss of being young and not and playing with no expectation. Yeah, your your Pistons take is a it's a it's a reasonable one. You almost recovered from your awful Haw- Hawks take, but all allowed. <laughs> we'll see man we'll see we'll we'll see like i said we'll we'll revisit this podcast and if i'm wrong i'll be like i'm wrong i I like you know (laughs) i will sing the oh i forgot what that band was called i'm not even going to try to remember but i will i will sing a song about how wrong i was i won't but i will admit how wrong i was about the hawks but like Stephen a smith said crack (laughs) is what i think of your hawks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh do you we have anything i'm glad we, I, i'm glad we disagree there because usually our podcasts are really boring because we just agree <laughs> now, our, i would say our podcasts are boring we just disagree about the minutia of stuff with teams yeah but in general in general like this we we very rarely have big disagreements where we're very far on yeah the only the only the only takes i've the only takes i've really had a huge disagreement with is just don't bring up the topic of Paul George or the Hawks. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing we disagree on, <laughs> and maybe some other stuff this season. But we'll find out. Is this the year of yeah. Bob dissension? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's it's Although good I, when we disagree. I, no, but I do, I do, I I will say though, the Paul George thing, he did prove himself last year. Like he did, he did solve a lot of the stuff that I was saying. I just still don't. I I still just. Again, going off of the podcast we had a couple weeks ago, like I still don't think he can carry the the Clippers by himself. I still think he needs Kawhi there to like contend with some of the other teams. Oh yeah, but agreed. I still I think he still really uh, proved himself last year of like you know not being a useless piece of garbage. But... Wow, wow. <laughs> uh, I didn't say that. If anybody catches this, I did not say that. He did. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to relitigate Paul George again. <laughs> so uh... fair enough. But yeah, 
So, guys, uh, we appreciate having you guys sitting here and uh, listen to us. Sorry it took so long to get the Eastern tier list done. Got it before the season ended, so. We did. So, it's uh, tomorrow's beginning of the regular season, and uh, we'll be back next week. Or to today when you the listen. First, the first week action. I'm yes, excited, sir. man. I'm excited for the This season's going to be really good. It's going to be a lot of talent, so stay tuned. <laughs> Everyone, Everyone's finally rested. Yeah, right. We've had three different seasons at oh, at one point in a calendar year, which is insanity. Oh my god! Like I I've blended in like some of the seasons like in my other podcast where I'm just like oh crap like the three seasons scrunched together is really fucking me up right now. Yeah, so I'm glad I'm this I'm I'm super excited to see all of these players healthy and rested with a full off season time yes, and, and see what happens here. So. I'm excited, and uh, we'll be back next week. The B.O.B.